0: Two, one, let's go. Welcome to the Fiction Addiction Podcast.
1: A podcast where we go one-on-one with fiction creators, such as authors, filmmakers, actors, songwriters, and more. Each episode, we get the inside scoop on our guests' creative process, the ups and downs of their industries, and our guests also give out tips and tricks that help them become successful. And
0: now... Let's jump into the episode with your host, Chris C.L. Lowry. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the Fiction Addiction Podcast. My next guest was born and raised in my city, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and is a prolific children's author. Her deep passion for writing comes from her desire to see her three biracial children in Grace both their Hispanic and African American cultures there's no limit to her creativity as she sees beyond just writing good stories she incorporates brilliant intuition and insight to make each piece of work unique and mostly important and purposeful this proud mother of 3 is also a graduate of Gettysburg College with a bachelor's degree in sociology ladies and gentlemen melissa montero melissa what's going on
1: uh nothing much nothing much i'm so excited to be able to tune in tonight and to participate it's an honor so thank you so much for having me
0: definitely 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 first and foremost the COVID 19 coronavirus um has created a global pandemic all of our worlds have been turned upside down. I can't even say turned upside down at this point. Turned upside down, putting the bottles shaking up. Right. <laughs> so how has the how has um that pandemic impacted your life? So
1: oh gosh. Um it's been a roller coaster ride. Um it has been I have as as you mentioned, I have three children, 8, 10 and 12. Um my husband and I I work in the um, property management field. My husband works in a warehouse, so we're both considered essential workers. Never knew I was an essential worker until (laughs) the pandemic (laughs) happened, didn't know I was that important. Um, so I'm going to say, you know, I, I trust God and I believe that, you know, myself, my husband, my family are covered. I believe that we will make it through this. I believe that we just have to, you know, follow the advice and make sure we're washing our hands, keeping social distancing, doing those things that we're instructed to do and just holding on to our faith and trusting that God will get us through this. So on that level, I'm good. Um, I think the biggest thing for me right now is just trying to homeschool my three children. Like I did not sign up to be a teacher. God bless the teachers. Um, Right, right, right. (laughs) That is probably the biggest thing because we're both working full time. So we're like shuttling shifts and trying to make sure that they're logged in and that their work is done so that they can get it graded. And it's just been uh, uh a, a tie um as well as my oh, poor goodness. pantry these kids keep eating up all the food
0: eating everything <laughs> <laughs> yes now, how has it been for the kids though the homeschooling have they I'm sure in the beginning they thought it was going to be like oh we, oh we get to play all day and then all of a sudden hold List. on here I go to some school work
1: <laughs> yes they, they definitely thought it was going to be sweet um, they know their mothers. So I don't know why they were sleeping. Um, but my my youngest, uh, my youngest is my daughter. She's eight. So she loves school. Um, she misses her teacher. She's ready to go back to school. My middle son, Isaiah, he is 10. So he is the one like you said, oh, we doing homeschool. Let me get everything done in an hour. I'm just going click, 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 click. Get this done and then I'm going to hop <laughs> You know, um, and then my oldest, he is 12. So he's in middle school and he's already kind of, you know, by the time you get the middle school, at least out in Montgomery County, the kids have laptops. They're accustomed to doing their work online. They turn their homework in online. He knows how to grab his grades and let me know what he needs to do, what he doesn't need to do. So for him, he's good. Um, but it, it's definitely each child has their own personality with dealing with this, um, mm-hmm. and the whole homeschool thing. So it's definitely been a process.
0: <laughs> now, obviously, that's that's been a challenge. But what's been one of the most surprising and positive things that uh, you've witnessed during the pandemic? Obviously, the all the social media stuff that's going on, all the, like the celebrities, and you got DJ D Nice on that club quarantine stuff and a lot of a lot of stuff what's been the most positive and surprising thing to you that um has come from the pandemic and the quarantine rules?
1: um i think the most positive thing that's come from it is really getting back to basics as far as you know most people are so busy running ripping and running like that family time that sitting Mm -hmm. down for dinner that sunday dinner that you know um just really appreciating not only the people that live in our households, but also your other family members and your loved ones. Like a lot of people are reaching out to people more, whether it's social media, email, like just texting and checking in and saying, hey, how are you doing? And um, also getting back to the basics of faith and really taking that time now to really spend time with God and and read and, and, and study and um, also to just explore really what your purpose is and what, you know, yeah. um, what you are called to do in life. Like, I feel like now with this downtime, people are really kind of forced to reflect on what it is that they want to do with their life, what they're doing with their life and really understanding, um, just the purpose and a, and a need to really know what you want to do, what you're doing.
0: Oh, Absolutely. Now you mentioned you were essential worker, but outside of of that, you are a business owner. You know what I mean. You are an author. You are right. you, you run a business. You have a brand. Right. So how has the pandemic affected you on that side of being an entrepreneur and a business owner?
1: Um, I guess it's kind of like a, a double edged sword, dual purpose. Like I, I for my business. Um. I have an event coming up in June that I'm talking about bringing women together and collaborating. So, right now, I'm kind of at that stage where it's like I'm going to soon have to decide if we're going to go virtual, if we're going to postpone. Mm. So, that for me is a big deal because I do have, you know, um, panelists that have confirmed, I've got vendors that have confirmed. So, that's something that I'll be kind of rolling out, which way that goes business wise. Um, With my book, I have some speaking engagements that were scheduled at schools in May. So um, it's definitely affected me in that way, Um, where it's kind of like, you know, like you said, in a bottle, upside down, turned around, shaking up like I was really (laughs) pushing, you know, to like get my things booked. I was reaching out to schools and, you know, getting stuff lined up. And it's like you just never know. You know, you just never know. So. Um, But on the flip side, it's allowing me time to really be more creative with my posting, like all of my posts on social media. Like I'm trying to be positive and just provide hope and then just stay before my audience and you know just let people know like we'll get through this let them know that we're you know we're in this together let them know that you know when we do get released we're going to have an awesome time at this event so be ready you know get
0: your <laughs> right get your
1: purpose, get, your, get your, your your business ideas together you know get your questions together know what you're going to ask know what you're going to do and just really take this time to work on building yourself up so um yeah it's it's been It's been it's been a roller coaster.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously, that that event you're mentioning, it is it is it is an event uh, to get women and that's that are involved in business together and networking. How has that been? Is this the first one or is this or did you have you had this type of event in the past?
1: I've done more. uh, So. I love planning events. Um, I've done like we've done an event for our business Mixed Essence, which we'll talk about a little later. But we did one of we did an event last year um, kind of similar to this. This is my first event that I'm doing on my own that specifically targets women on this level. Like I do little events where we do like painting with a twist. Um we do like just gatherings together, just to hang out and kind of uh, break away from, you know, our husbands, our kids. Just get some time, girl time. Girl <laughs> you know, it's necessary self care. Okay, oh, absolutely, well. absolutely.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this is definitely one of the first events I've done on this level, um, specifically geared towards bringing business owners and women together. Yes.
0: Now, how has planning? These events just opened your mind up in terms of networking with other women and seeing so many good ideas. I'm sure coming your way of people just, uh, just going out there and following their dream.
1: Absolutely, I think um, just becoming, um, you know, I've always had a desire to bring people together. I've always, I, I've always been known as an encourager and that kind of thing. So I think becoming an author and going to vending events and being in different arenas and you know trying to figure this whole author thing out because i didn't grow up saying i'm going to be an author i was empowered and compelled to be an author and so as i've been going along these last two years since my release of my book um i've just come into different arenas with different men and women Um, But, you know, my desire to do this event was more focused on just saying, hey, we don't have to compete with each other because a lot of the time it's like, oh, you see somebody else doing something similar to you. You can't talk to them or you can't share ideas with them because you think they're going to steal your ideas. But it's like my target audience and your target audience is different. We may both be authors, you know, but what I'm trying to do, my purpose, my mission is unique to me. And so is yours to you. So that was kind of, you know, it was birth for me going to different events, seeing different people, and, you know, just knowing what it's like to first get started and not know the questions to ask or not know who to go to. So this event was really to bring all of the powerhouses together, you know, women that are on different levels in their businesses, in their journeys, in their nonprofits, and having people come out who may just be getting started or know they've got this burning desire to do something, but they don't know where to start. So mm-hmm. um, that was really the kind of purpose of of the event.
0: Well, absolutely. Now, you mentioned being empowered and compelled to become an author. Obviously, your passion from writing um, was inspired by your children. But when did your actual writing journey begin?
1: Um, I'm going to say pretty much with this book. I mean, I I, in my family with the kids with their homework. My oldest is 12. So since he started school, um, it's funny. We got this running joke in my family. Like, don't ask me anything about math. And don't ask my husband <laughs> anything about English. So the kids know when they're homeschooling and they get to their math part, they're like, "All right, mommy, I did everything except for the math. I'm just gonna wait for Poppy to get home." Um, and when it comes to <laughs> anything that has to do with English or reading, they try and take it to him, and he like, "Go find your mom." I'm not doing. So we, you know, English has definitely been my preference. I enjoy. Um, you know, reading articles, anything that I can find to better myself. Um, I wouldn't necessarily have called myself a writer until probably I wrote the book um, two years ago. So, I would say it probably definitely started at that point.
0: Now, how has it been um, on your on your journey so far? Because obviously, you mentioned you want your children to embrace obviously their Hispanic side, their African-American side, just being biracial in general. Um, mm-hmm. So how has that been taken on that type of responsibility? Because obviously it's not only representing your children, but there are millions of children around the world who are biracial, who, who obviously there has been a lack of representation for biracial children and, and embracing both their sides. How is it now taking on that responsibility? As a writer.
1: Um, It's definitely a weight that I didn't really think about like going into it. I mean, I, I I always kind of reflect back on. So me and my husband started dating when we were seniors in high school. And at that time, you know, I was just like, we, you know, we were just like, Oh, we dating, we hanging out, whatever. I went off to college. He stayed in Philly. And then we kind of, you know, went forward with our relationship While I was in college, I had a couple friends that were biracial and, you know, just being on the college campus, Gettysburg is not really diverse, probably more diverse now than it was then. Um, but mm-hmm. I did have and I still am very close friends with a few people that are biracial and I remember on campus you know them talking about trying to figure out where they fit in you know going to mm. you know one one race you know group and not really fitting in there going to another and still not really feeling like they were they weren't white enough they weren't black enough they weren't Hispanic enough whatever the case may be so that always stuck with me and I think at that point during those four years I kind of started to think about, okay, I, you know, we're in a serious relationship. There's a high possibility. You know, I got engaged my junior year of college. We're getting married. Eventually we're going to have kids and this is going to be a topic of discussion that, you know, we need to think about. But it wasn't until my kids, you know, my oldest became of school age that it really was like, okay, this is a thing. Um, And, you know, we, once um, my oldest was school age we moved out to the county so it was really like they were the minority um and you know there weren't a lot of kids in the class that looked like them so there was always like little questions or little things that they would have to deal with as far as you know well what are you or um some questions and you know, as a mother for my kids to come home and say that a kid told them they don't want to marry them because they're black or questioning who they are. That was mm. a you know a journey that I didn't think that I would have to take a conversation that I didn't think that I would have to have with a six year old, you know, or seven year
0: old.
1: It definitely, um, has been a journey. Um, I'm grateful that, you know, when, when, you know, things like that happen. It's all in how you react to it. You know, I could have right. just brushed it off. Me and my husband could have just brushed it off. But each of those opportunities and those those moments that happen, we use them as teachable moments, you know, um, and we tell our kids, like, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, there's going to be people that don't like you or treat you differently differently for a many different reasons, you know, um, your race or your culture is just one of those things. Um, and just really telling them like to be proud of all of who they are, you know, you're black and you're recon, and, you know, there's different benefits and, and, um, pride in both and they both make you who you are. So it's definitely, um, still a journey. I mean, you know, they still go through things. My oldest, you know, had an incident happen where he was called the N-word at the school. And it's just Mm. it's definitely, you know, things that I didn't have to go through at their age. And I didn't think that I would have to be teaching or telling them these things at this age. So it's been a journey. (laughs)
0: Right. And and, and it's it's crazy you say that because obviously when you and your husband um, got married and things like that, you guys didn't expect, you know what I mean? Walking into these times, still having right. to deal with race issues. You know what I mean? With so many, <laughs> you know what I mean? So many prominent uh, blacks and Latinos who have become successful and have had impacts in their communities. And we still are like fighting these battles and our kids are fighting the same battles. We uh, we heard about our parents fighting, you know what I mean? So that right. I, I, I can imagine. <laughs>
1: Oh, right crazy like you 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 nailed it like you would never think that those would be conversations that you would have now you know now right. with so much um you know diversity you see and and we definitely have a long way to go by no means are we there have we arrived but it's definitely right. you know progressing more like there's more even multicultural families represented in movies and things like that there's oh yeah, more. yeah,
0: yeah.
1: um yeah but yeah, it's still, you know, it's still alive and, and still going. So
0: <laughs> now, obviously, um, with writers like you coming out now um, I, and I and is and a kudos to the independent uh, book industry writing and in, uh, writing world um, we have out yeah. here that so many people are bringing that representation of biracials, even African-Americans uh, even mm-hmm. just Latino stories, stories by Native Americans and Asian communities, they are getting that representation now with the emergence of independent writers. But right. you, you have a 12 year old, so you knew <laughs> uh, yeah. six years ago, 10 years ago, you like how difficult was it to find that representation uh, specifically for your child in, in so many different ways?
1: Um, it, it was it was definitely difficult, um, and like I said, the hard part is you know there are definitely African American books out there more than um, more now than there were before, um, more Absolutely. now than six years ago. But in you know six years ago, there still was a struggle just to find a book to talk about minorities in general like you really have to go on a hunt. You can't go to right. the, you know, library out here and find diverse books. You're just it's just not happening. So, um, you know, it was it was definitely difficult um and that's why I said, you know, trying to find an article, trying to find the you know, something on Facebook that I can find a group or anything that kind of talked about a YouTube channels. Like, you know, I did as much searching and research as I could, you know, to try to find something so that they could look at a book and say, okay, I understand, or, um, you know, that person looks like me and, now I get it or okay, Mm -hmm. now I know why I should be proud or, you know, to it's not because it's different when your parents tell you something, you know, when your parents say something to you, you like, okay, I hear you, but I don't really. (laughs) So for me to say love yourself for who you are, it's like, what? But if you get a book (laughs) by somebody else, then you, you can believe it, you know?
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. (laughs) Now you, now you also mentioned, uh, it's your speaking engagements getting in schools uh obviously there's so many writers out there who are just entering this journey so how would you how would you prep them in terms of getting from their book to becoming a speaker because that's a big jump you know what I mean mm-hmm. obviously for people who aren't familiar with public speaking and who aren't very comfortable with it that, that is a big jump um And it takes a lot of time and practice. So how would you advise someone to prepare from becoming just a writer to becoming obviously a speaker and presenting to not only adults, but to children as well?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. I really think it's really you knowing your your product, you knowing what you Mm. created, you doing the research on your topic, on whatever you're covering. Like, I feel like I am definitely and have always been the person that loves to be behind the scenes. Like I, I will, I will do everything it got, has to do to prepare for something. But when it comes to presentation day, I'm in the back, you know, I'm behind stage, you know, making sure everybody go out, making sure everybody look good. That's, that's (laughs) who I am. That's who I am. Um, But, you know, when it came down to this, my passion behind it and my desire for other children to really understand what my children and other multicultural children go through and uh, for other parents to see, you know, how it affects kids who may not really understand what it means to embrace all of who they are. When it came to me really understanding that and wanting that message to go out, you know, when I went to present to my kids school, I think it was a total of maybe 500 kids or something like that. Mm. And That's not something that I would do. Like, I don't even want to be in front of 10 people. But, you know, <laughs> when I, listen, when I went, my husband was like, you were so he was like, you know, you were so confident. You were so cool. And honestly, mm. it was really like a switch, like I was nervous leading up to it, but when i started to do my PowerPoint presentation, because I knew my product, because I knew my passion behind it, because I knew my purpose for why I was there and what message I wanted to portray it, I, I did it seamlessly. I did it effortlessly. And that was my first real big presentation like that. But I can remember that day. And I remember like when it was go time, I was ready. So my suggestion would just be to really own what you what you what you're presenting, you know, own your work, own your message, do the research. Um, And really, when you know what your purpose is and you know why you're here, the confidence comes with that. You know, the confidence comes with that. And I think, you know, just practicing, you know, um, taking the time to really study you know, what you're presenting, go over your presentation and things like that. And I think, you know, the more you practice and the more you do it, the better speaker you will become.
0: Now, when was the first time um, you announced, obviously, to your husband, to your your family that you were going to pursue this journey as an author?
1: Um, I would say actually it was my husband that really kind of pushed me to to do it. Um, I can remember, you know, just getting, you know, it was probably incident number three or incident number four with the kids. And, you know, they had just gone to bed and I was talking to my husband, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I wanna do something. Like I feel like I need to do something to help our kids, but also like to let other kids understand. Cause I can't just show up to the school like, Look, my kids are both black and rich, Like that's yeah. <laughs> all. I can't do that. I can't be, you know, mama bear up at the school. You know, I can't do that. So I, you know, I was trying to figure out what I could do. And my husband was like, just write it, like write it down, write it down, Mm. write how you feel, just write it. And so I sat there on my bed in our room and I had my cell phone and I literally just went. I went to work and I started writing. It wasn't perfect, but it was what I wanted to say. It was how I wanted to say it. So that... You know, initially it was just me and him that, you know, knew about it. And then as I went through my journey, um, you know, there were key family members that I shared it with, um, you know, just to kind of get their input along the way. Um, But I would say probably, you know, I I published in July of 2018. um, And it probably took me about a year from start to finish. So I would say probably like September of 2017 ish, you know, a month or two in, I started Mm -hmm. to just kind of get feedback from a few people just to kind of see, you know, what their thought process was. Did it sound right? Was I missing things and that kind of thing?
0: So how has that journey been um, since July 2018, since you released this book? How how has your journey been the ups and downs?
1: Um, it's definitely been a, um, it's been a blessing. It it has definitely been a blessing. There are definitely, you know, ups and downs. Um, The downs are probably just when you're self-published, you know, Uh, you are the marketing, you are the, you know, the publish, like you are all of
0: it.
1: You have to to push yourself. You're your manager. You know, you are designing flyers. You are doing it all. So I think that is probably the most difficult part about it is because I do work full time. And so trying Mm. to have my events and vending events and, um, you know, trying to make sure that I schedule my visits either on days that I'm off from work or switch my schedule around so that I work one day so that I can take off to do it. So, you know, um, and then just making sure with the following up, you know, you can send a bunch of emails and that's great, but sometimes it takes one or two more phone calls or one or two more emails to make sure that you get that booking, you know, so Mm. I think that is probably... So okay. listen, I, it, 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 it takes time. And I know a lot of people get discouraged. You know, if they get that no the first time or they don't get an answer, sometimes you got to make two and three phone calls, leave some messages, show up. You know, you, you got to mix it up and you got to be persistent with what you want. So okay. um, that's definitely one of the, you know, downs, the ups. Um, You know, I always talk about the process of writing the book like I was blessed to be able to share with my kids as well as my um, nieces and my nephew, the process of me writing. So when I went from writing to get my first illustration, um, and just, you know, tweaking things. And, um, you know, I joke about my niece when I got my first published, my first uh, printed copy. I took it over to my sister's house and my niece Jasmine, I had them looking through the book. She noticed that one of my Spanish words that was in the book was not in the glossary in the back of the book. So, had she not read it and went through that process with me, she would, you know, I would have missed that. So, mm. I love the fact that, you know, my kids and my nieces and my nephew were able to see okay, I had this goal that I set, and it took a year. And they saw me through the process like holidays when I would go to their house. If I was talking to the illustrator and I couldn't quite get something right, they saw me through the process. And then now they're seeing me go to like their schools or their summer camps and they're seeing me present and they're seeing my book on Amazon and they're seeing. So it's like, you know, when you set your mind to doing something, you know, you can you can reach the goal. You know, it may not be a overnight thing, but if you stay consistent, you know, and you follow through. So I think that's been the biggest reward for me is really to have my, you know, have other people see me from start to finish, you know, complete it, get the finished product and be able to go forward with it. So. Hmm.
0: Now, do, now, during those those down moments, like you said, doing all that uh-huh. work, um. Doing everything, you know what I mean? Put, yeah. Putting in all that yeah. work. What, what, what keeps yeah. you motivated to keep pushing?
1: Um, I, I would say my kids. I would say my desire to want other people to feel empowered. My desire to not want other people, you know, in those moments. Like I, there was one event that I had. Um, and this was maybe like my second or third read aloud or something. And it was at my niece and nephew's um, after school program for like the Y. Um, and one of the camp counselors came up to me and was like, oh, my gosh, I was so moved by your book. Like, I wish that there was something like this out there for me when I was younger because she was also a, a biracial individual. Mm. So you know, those moments, you know, when I reflect back on those moments and I think about the impact that it had, And me, you know, reaching that goal, fulfilling that purpose that I had that day when I wrote the book in my room and said, this is why I want to do this. You know, I want to be a a voice of encouragement for people who may not have those conversations with their parents or may not you know really because i have friends who they didn't talk about race growing up and i feel like your culture and your and your race is a part of your identity it's a part of who you are it's a part of how you act and the things that you do those little quirky things that you do come from, you know, who you are. So, you know, when I had those moments, you know, where I reflect back on events and reflect back on people's words and, you know, read reviews on Amazon and that kind of thing. Um, it really kind of pushes me to wanna continue to do it, you know, on those hard days, just to think about the people that will be affected and empowered by the book.
0: Mm. Now your book. <laughs> um Titled, <laughs> I refuse to choose the best of both worlds. So this book takes mm-hmm. takes us on a journey of Maya, who is a happy-go-lucky child born into a loving family with a great mother and a supportive father. Unlike a lot of her classmates, Maya has a different sort of family. One day, Maya becomes upset at school um, because she feels pressure into making a choice about which of her family's cultures she has to be a part of. So, in this book, they follow the story of Maya as she makes important decisions and learns valuable lessons about herself and how and about how to navigate the world as a proud biracial child. So, the first thing I want you to do is just to break down that title for me. I refuse to choose mm-hmm. the best of both worlds.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. So, just the title, I refuse to choose, you know, sometimes with my kids with other multicultural or um, biracial individuals, like I said, friends that I have who may be black and white or Puerto Rican and black, um, sometimes, you know, being around people, they'll say, well, what are you, or you can't be both like choose one. Um, and even when you think about, you know, and I get frustrated every year when I get the, um, the reports that the school sends home where you have to check a box to explain what race you are. And, you know, every year that I get it back, autofill, I guess, because it's the first thing that shows up, it says African-American. And I'm like, but my kids are both African-American and Hispanic. So they should be able to choose both and not be just put into one box. Um, And that's kind of the idea and the message behind it, like you don't have to choose one race or the other. You're both. And that's what makes you special. So, you know, you have the best of both worlds. You have both your African-American side, you have both and your Hispanic side or whatever your mix is, you know, just feeling empowered to just say this is who I am. You know, love me for all of me. And I'm not choosing, you know, right. and that's right. the stance she- that a book. I'm not
0: choosing you know I am both so <laughs> now, now some stories are just good they're, they're, they're good all around stories and others they take you somewhere that not many writers can take you to and I think your story did that so and I think mm-hmm. you did that by creating the scenario of her having to make a that important decision in the school setting you know what I mean? As a child, right. so and not not many people realize that. I mean, you even as a parent is reading that, it's like wow. When you really think about it, like right. that is a heavy decision a child will have to make. So, what made right. you uh, choose this specific scenario and situation for your book?
1: Um, because it's a very real situation, and I think you know. Sometimes I had a, a, a grandparent who was um a grandparent of a biracial child and she was like like I thank you so much for writing this book because I never thought that my grandchild would have to go through that but mm-hmm. these are things that kids are thinking, you know, and it could be anything like it could be, you know, your child sitting in the classroom and you talk about, you know, the teacher announces we're going on a class trip and a class trip is $50. Well, that child, you know, me as a child, my my father didn't have $50 for a period of time. I was raised by a single parent. So sitting in class, knowing you're not going on a trip because your parent can't afford it. You know, these are decisions that these kids are making. So it's definitely something that You know, the kids really have to deal with like that happens where, you know, in social studies class. That's a very popular thing. They'll say, talk about your culture or bring in a food or bring in a dish. And it's like, well, what do I choose? You know, and there's a part in the book where, you know, she goes home to talk to her mom and her mom's like, girl, what are you upset about? Like, you're both love it. And right. the daughter's like, I hear what you're saying, mom. And I know for you, it makes sense. But like, I don't get it. What do you want me to, what am I supposed to do? Right. You know, and it's a real thing at that age to know and understand, like, what does it mean to embrace all of who I, what is What is that, you know? Um, so I really wanted it to be a real moment, you know, that one would draw attention for parents. Because like I said, I have friends who are now adults and told me like their parents didn't talk about race. Like they grew up in predominantly black or predominantly white or predominantly Hispanic households. And that is what they were. But there was never any mention of another culture. So I wanted it to be one a moment for a child to really understand if they're put in that situation, you know, this is how you can embrace who you are. And also for a parent to really reflect that this might be a real thing for my kid at some point. But if I have this conversation now, I can avoid the heartache and the stress and the anxiety later on down the road.
0: Right. Absolutely. Now, we, we touched on this earlier, um, obviously, with the representation mm-hmm. of minorities in books. But obviously, I'm going to um, bust out these numbers from the CCBC. Um, they're all over the Internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see a lot of writers mm-hmm. post it. Um, it's the Cooperative Children's Book Center. You know what I mean? So they conducted the survey on diversity in children's book. And based on the mm-hmm. 2018 publishing statistics, um, mm-hmm. this these surveys showed that 50% of the books display white characters, 27% display animal characters, 10% African-American mm-hmm. characters, 7% mm-hmm. Asian P- Pacific Islander uh, characters, 5% mm-hmm. Latino characters, 1% American Indians and First Nations. What do these numbers mean to you as a as a children's book author?
1: It's it's sad. It really. Is sad. I mean, I, you can't. I, there's not. You can't even say anything else. About, it's just sad because it's like like we talked about earlier. You know where we are now as a country, the representation of what we see in the media. You know, it definitely has gotten better, but for it to have gotten better, and this is still what the numbers are in 2020. Like, it's just mind blowing, you know, it's mind blowing because We're talking about like, this is who you see every day. These are people, when you go into the grocery store, when you go into Walmart, like you're seeing that diversity. You're seeing that, but yet it's not represented in the books that the kids are reading. You know, they're not seeing characters that look like them. So that's all the more reason why, you know, I wanted to create the book. In my book, you will see, you know, when they're on a school bus, you'll see different kids with different, you know, uh, of different races um represented in it as well, you know, to just highlight that diversity. Um, and I just definitely think it's it's so important. I'm blessed to know, you know, over the last year I've met, I don't even know 20, 15, 20 you know um, black authors, uh, minority authors, and I'm just privileged enough to be in circles with them, and to be able to kind of exchange with them, and know that the future looks bright. You know, and mm-hmm. anybody that I know that is minority or that is trying to publish a children's book, I have a girlfriend that I'm working with now who's working on her book, and I'm like, yes, sis, let's go. <laughs> let's like go we right.
0: have
1: to. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not going to change it, we doing it. Okay, right.
0: absolutely. <laughs> now how big of an impact do you believe that independent publishing has on these numbers in terms of um them being raised
1: Mm -hmm. Mm. not as much as i would like um, not as much as I would like, I think, you know, with independent publishers, because we are the, the you know, the hands and feet of the business and it's pushing to try and get, you know, your book into bookstores and into libraries, I think it's going to take longer for us to make the dent that we would like to make. Mm. But I'm definitely hopeful that it's going to happen. You know, I know that, you know, it may Look far fetched, and it may look like it, but I'm very, very hopeful that you know more people will be empowered to share their story. More people will hear these numbers and want to make a difference, and you know, and make change. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay positive about this. Thing. We're going increase- <laughs> <laughs> we to increase We have to. Right. We Absolutely. To. Yeah.
0: Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> now, mm-hmm. going back to the representation of the characters in the books. As an uh-huh. author, as and obviously as an independent author, you had all the creative control when you started writing your story and you did have uh-huh. um, the opportunity to choose to write about any type of character, any type of race. You you also had the opportunity to choose an animal character because obviously the representation is higher than in that category than minorities. What um, right. as a minority author, did you feel an obligation to include that representation of minority, uh, characters in your books for those readers?
1: Um, definitely. Absolutely. I think, um, the, like the purpose of me writing my book was specifically to obviously target the multicultural, um, community and really to draw attention to that. But in my story, you know, in the classroom setting, Um, You know, you'll see maps in the classroom that or not maps, but flags in the classroom to represent um, other countries and things like that. You will see, like I said, on the school bus, her friends, you'll see that there's diversity in, you know, what is in the book. I also have some Spanish words in the book as well, too, um, that with the translation in the back of the book, too. So that's a little bonus for you. Get a little Spanish lesson in there. There Um, But I (laughs) Definitely. <laughs> I definitely wanted to make sure and um, was definitely intentional about that. Um, you know, my character on a front cover is a lighter version. And I know sometimes people may look at the book and be like, oh, she could have made the character darker. and And, you know, that's a thing of discussion as well but at the end of the day i feel like you know minority and african americans come in different shades so that was something that i also wanted to highlight in a book um as well you know just to show that there's different shades different colors um and you know diversity was definitely something that was important for me to have represented in the book in so many different ways, you know, to have an interracial couple, to have a biracial child, to have diverse people, to show different countries on a flag, you know, to have a minority bus driver, you know, just to, to implement it in different ways, you know, um, to talk about, you know, God, you know, a part of it, the mom encourages the, the daughter and tells her like em- embrace all of who God created you to be like, you know, those were important things that I wanted to make sure that we're highlighted in the book because I know that's not a typical book. you won't you know typically find all of that in one book
0: right. Now yeah, you start out on this journey, you have a great idea, you develop a great story, you have a vision for what you want mm-hmm. this book to be. And it's specific because mm-hmm. like you said, you have three children um, who are biracial you you want to empower them. Um, You want to inspire them. And then you want to inspire the world and other children. Take Mm -hmm. me on a journey of finding your illustrator because it wasn't just like, Hey, here's a, here's a cat character. I want you to draw. This was specific. You know what I mean? (laughs) I want it. You wanted a minority and I wanted the representation. Obviously you have beautiful representation on the front cover, uh, beautiful representation within Mm -hmm. as the characters inside the book. So, take me on that journey of finding the right illustrator for your story
1: oh man it was definitely a journey <laughs> um I want to say I probably went through I mean I looked at a number of different um, illustrators I used a, a site called Fiverr and I so the beauty of this site is you can see. The work of different illustrators, you can see what their pricing is, um, and it allows you to really go through. So, you know, I'm looking for people with top reviews. I'm looking for, so I definitely did my homework and did a lot of research before I reached out to the illustrators. Um, but then, you know, I went to one illustrator and explained what I wanted, and my husband looked at it and was like, "That is not it. Mm, that that ain't gonna work." <laughs> <laughs> we went through that one we got to another one and you know they nailed the first you know the image that I gave them the first image I wanted them to portray but then it was like when it came to the follow-up it was like crickets and I'm mm. like okay well this is a great start like if I can't get you to comment back to me you know then this is this is not gonna work so I think by you know they say third times the charm By the <laughs> third time. <laughs> You know, um, I was able to get an illustrator that really, um, you know, in the beginning, of course, there's always ups and downs. I mean, because the communication is primarily on the computer, right. you know, there's, um, you know, um, they're from Sri Lanka. So it's like the the language barrier, the you know, those types of things that you have to overcome um but i feel like in the, i feel like um over the course of time towards the end of the book it's like okay he got it he got it you know exactly what i want we got this thing we rolling we good So it definitely was a process. Like I said, I can remember being over, you know, Christmas break um, and I'm looking at, you know, page number seven and I'm like, no, no, that's not what I meant. We just went through this. That's not. And I'm like Googling and taking pictures of what I'm saying and sending examples. And so it definitely was a process. And that's just kind of learning, you know, them learning what I want, me learning, you know, the process. And um, so it took some time, but I think I'm definitely satisfied with the work. Um, My first um, visit, one of my first um, visits to the library, you know, I went to them and showed them the book, told them I was an independent author. And I asked them if I could come in and do a read-aloud. And, um, you know, I left the book there for them to review it. And when I went back, I think it was either after I did the read aloud or during the read aloud, the librarian stopped me and was like, I just wanted to tell you, like, your illustrations are so beautiful, like Mm. they're so colorful and they're just beautiful. And that meant a lot to me because I'm like, I have no idea. But she was just telling me, like, she saw a lot of self-published authors and the illustrations were just subpar. But she just, you know, for a librarian who sees books all day to tell me that the illustrations were beautiful and and that kind of thing just meant a lot to me. So I'm I'm beyond ecstatic about how the books turned out and the illustrations. So definitely.
0: Mm. Now, when you wrote this book, who was your target audience?
1: those little children in my kid's school was now. (laughs) 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 Um, I would definitely say elementary school age. Um, Really, I would say probably, you know, second to fifth grade is what I was thinking um, when it came down to it. Because I feel like second, third grade is when my son really started um, or my sons really started coming to me and saying, this is what was said. This is what was said, you know, And, and... you know part of me wanted it for children but i also wanted it to be read to children at a younger age because i felt like you know sometimes parents or people only know what they are shown or they only know what they are taught so if there are parents of the children that my kids go to school with that had these ingrained thinking about people that are different from them. Mm. If I can't talk to the parent and be a voice of reason with the parent, then if I can catch the kids at their age, at this age now, and let them change the course of the way their parents think and say, you know what, that may be what my parent thinks, but that's not the way I think. And I know different, you know, this person is my friend, so I'm going to treat them with respect no matter what they look like. So, you know, my my goal was second to fifth graders, but I also wanted, you know, if parents were to pick the book up to read it, like I said, that grandmother who read the book to her grandson um, and said, wow, you know, I didn't I never thought about it this way or I never thought that this would be an issue, Um, you know, having the you know, a camp counselor come to me and say, this book was really inspirational for me. So whoever can read it and benefit from it or just, to create a dialogue and an understanding. I've had friends who are um, school counselors who said it needs to be in every school. Like the topic is so prevalent in the world that we live in now, like it's necessary. Um, And it's a good segue into the conversation of diversity and inclusion and that kind of thing. So um, anybody who's listening is my.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So. I always want to point out uh authors who are like to the to the next level in terms of knowing their brand. So now you you mm-hmm. did, you you took it to the next level. You have obviously your your book out, you have your website mm-hmm. and then I also see you got the t-shirts and stuff popping. So what 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 about you? Um what was it that made you think beyond just the book to to go out to the other, the other things like the t-shirts and stuff in terms of being a businesswoman,
1: Right. Right. Um, I really think, you know, when initially thinking about the book, um, my husband and I were also talking about, um, having a brand and having a business that really kind of, and I call it a lifestyle brand because we really want to empower through the book But also through the T-shirts, you know, being walking billboards to let people know, like, you see these cute T-shirts. Don't touch my hair. Don't touch my (laughs) curls. You know, Um, I have one shirt that says I'm not the nanny because this was my reality when my kids were young. Like I just was looking at a picture today going through my Yahoo My daughter was so, so fair skin like when she and now she's got more melanin and and stuff like that. But when she was younger, she was so, so fair when I would push them around, you know, people were like, oh, is that your daughter? Like who, you know, or or things like that. And it's like, no, I'm not the nanny. Yes, I gave birth to her. Yes, I was in labor. Yes, (laughs) I got stretch marks. Sure do. Yes. Um, so (laughs) you know, we wanted to go beyond just the book. Um, and you know, so getting the opportunity to speak, you know, I enjoy when I do visits to schools um and small group visits because we can take those moments to engage and do like I'll do um uh vision boards or empowerment boards and um affirmation positive affirmation boards after i do a reading you know all with all of the kids i'll say you know repeat after me i am important i am smart i am talented like i am a world changer i want to just empower in any way shape or form so that's kind of why i wanted to really take it to the next level and provide the you know the clothing and the apparel to really kind of go with the brand and you know just let people know you know be proud of who you are be proud of who god created you to be
0: now what's now
1: what's next for you hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, so i am working on book number two um that is my next big thing uh book number two the book is pretty much written i'm still kind of going through some things Um, And I'm working on illustrations now. So finishing that up, too. Um, So book number two is next. I'm also working with my daughter. She, you know, was inspired and wants to do her own thing. So I'm working with her on her children's book, too. So I'm juggling juggling many things in this moment. (laughs) And still trying to push, you know, I refuse to choose every opportunity I get. Like I said, I had two speaking engagements um scheduled for May. I've got, you know, I had a vending event coming up, too, that I was going to attend. So with this pandemic, only God knows when we'll get back to, you know, regularly scheduled programming. Um, But definitely trying to just. Um, push out everything that I've got, you know, any, you know, anything that I have my message, you know, just really trying to encourage and empower other people to really love all of who they are Um, and then pull people up and help people along the way. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, Melissa, you know, I've had a number of people reach out to me and say, hey, Melissa, I'm trying to write a children's book. What was your process? Like I want to be able to. Be that, you know, voice to be able to say, hey, do it this way. Don't do it that way because I did it that way and I already made the yeah, mistake. Absolutely. I made the mistake, for you. you know, don't do what I did. Do yeah. this. So um, I definitely enjoy being able to help other people and see them win as well.
0: And mixed essence is your company. so we'll, um, Correct. Just break down the title uh, of your company and just break down everything you guys are going to do under that umbrella.
1: Sure. Yep. So under the umbrella of mixed essence, mixed essence, the mission is really to empower other people to embrace all of who they are, regardless of their cultural makeup, you know, their family dynamics. So if you're adopted, if you are you know, um, mixed biracial, multiracial, whatever you are to really embrace all of who you are, love yourself. Um, and be confident in who you are. So that's what the business is. And like I said, I call it a lifestyle brand because we want to use tools to empower. So one of the tools under the mixed essence umbrella is the book. And that gives us the opportunity to really have conversations. Um, we also last year did a, we called it a diversity, a play on words, diversity gathering where we had, um, We had an interracial couple come in. We had uh, two, one biracial, one multiracial individual come in and we just asked them questions to share their story and to share their experience. Like how was it growing up biracial? How was it in their household? And it was nice because you got, although they were both multiracial, both of their experiences were totally different. Right. One person talked about race in their household. The other one didn't really talk about it. And so we just kind of wanted to bring awareness to it. We also talked with an interracial couple um, to talk about their experience of, you know, raising biracial children and, you know, the difficulties that they face um, and just Wanting them to be able to, you know, we kind of tied it up and it's on our YouTube page, Mixed Essence LLC as well, um, if anybody wanted to check it out. But that also in the end we did about um, I think it was three or four sessions and the last one, it kind of was a a, um, opportunity for them to really empower the multicultural community and say, hey, you know, if you are, you know, embrace all of who you are or this was my struggle. So don't do this or, you know, have that dialogue. Why is it important? You know, one of them um, was multiracial and she didn't really talk about race growing up. So she feels like she missed out on learning about her cultures as a child and now as an adult, something she still struggles with because she did not know both mm. sides. Um, and the uh, one the other um, multiracial person he learned about both his cultures as a child and now he has children that are I think three three or four different, uh, a mixture of three or four different races. So he was talking about, you know, how he was able to share his history with them and empower them, you know, and he's got, they're little, but how confident they are, even as little people because of the confidence that he had as an adult. So just different perspectives on how, you know, talking about your race and talking about your identity, how that affects you as an adult. Um, So definitely, you know, those are the types of things that Mixed Essence does. Um, Our plan also right before school gets started is and we may have to go virtual because of the pandemic. um, But we wanted to have a panel very similar to that. But we wanted to have preteens and teenagers to come in Uh, um, and talk about their experiences yeah yeah because my son is twelve now so to talk about their experiences um and you know how they handle them what do you say in those moments and you know I'm grateful because one experience that my son had like I said somebody called him the n-word and the way he handled it he he handled his own you know he really did and I was really proud of him and how he um, handled it, but somebody else receiving that same word and not knowing who they are or being confident enough to stand up for themselves may have handled it totally different, and that could have affected them for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, so I really wanted to have that dialogue. Maybe bring a um, counselor or a therapist in to sit in on a conversation and really give a, you know, a um, solid you know, perspective on ways to really deal with your identity and to really um, just know how to do conflict resolution and how to get through those moments and not let that not internalize it, you know. Um, So those are the types of things that mix essence, um, you know, to plan for us, some things that we have done and some things that we project to do in the future.
0: Now, let everybody know where they can find you at, where they can find your books, order some t-shirts, all your information. I didn't get in contact with you.
1: You got it. You got it. So for, um, I start with, um, my website, you could go to www.melissamontero.com. That is where you can get the book as well as the t-shirts. Um, my book is also available on amazon.com barnesandnoble.com as well. Um, To stay connected to us, we do have a YouTube channel, Mixed Essence LLC. Um, We are also on Facebook and Instagram. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Mixed Essence LLC. And if you want to follow me also, I try and keep updated on my events and things like that that are going on On Instagram, it's melissa.a.montero.
0: Nice. And this has been Melissa Montero on the Fiction Addiction Podcast. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it.
1: No problem. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate you having me on.
0: Thank you for joining us on the Fiction
1: Addiction Podcast. Make sure you visit fictionaddictionpodcast.com for links on everything we talked about today, as well as awesome resources, additional
0: tips, and fiction addiction merchandise.